So if we just go back and have a quick recap about what we've covered so far. The Mool Mantir goes into a lot of detail to set the context for what the whole theme of Guru Nanak Dev Ji's message is. What is, it defines the oneness, it defines what its characteristics are. Then we go into the title of this composition, which is Jap and the opening salok, which talks about the limitless, timeless nature of this truth. Ad such, Jugad such. The first verse, the first body, is all about the different techniques that people have used to try and understand and obtain this. And it asks a fundamental question. How do I obtain this truth that you've explained in the moment that how do I actually experience it? How do I become one with that, that such, that satyara? How do I break all the notions of falsehood in my life? And we talk about ego and temporary things that are false, false attachments, temporary things, maya. How do I break that? Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, Hukam Razai Chalana, to walk on the path of Hukam. The next verse is all about Hukam and the nature of Hukam. What is Hukam like? What is Hukam involved with? What does Hukam control? And it says that Hukam controls every aspect of our life and no one is outside of that Hukam. And it says, Nanak Hukme Jebuche. If you understand hukam, then you understand your place within that system. You understand that you have no place within the system of hukam. Everything is hukam, everything belongs to that one, and there's no room for you within that. The people who understand that, their life takes a whole new meaning. Their life takes the form of praise, of song. And then the next verse, the third verse, goes into describing just some of the ways in which people sing the praises of Hukam. Ones who've understood that actually everything is Hukam. Some sing of its praises. Some sing of its strength. The fact that it creates and destroys. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji goes into describing some of the methods, but it says that this can't be fully described. You can sing its praises, but you can't describe it in, in full. That this has, a, the hukam has a way of just being continuous. It just keeps going. Time after time, that this system of hukam is just a continuous unfolding of the universe. And this system keeps going. This path of hukam keeps going. And this hukam is carefree. The hukam is carefree. The one giving the hukam is carefree. And the one who understands the hukam is also sadavigas. Nanak pagata sadavigas. Yeah? So the word 
the gas is the same as big cell nanik big cell vapor one hokam is carefree and the ones who understand also become carefree the next verse the fourth verse now the previous verses were about hokam this is now about the the one who controls the hokam this verse is about the deliverer of that hokam who is sitting behind that hokam who is the one that controls it all so the fourth verse begins sacha sahib sacha sahib sach nai if we look at the word sahib it's got an anchor which means that it's a singular word it's referring to one master sahib is master and it's a masculine word which is why it has an anchor and so there is this one master now it isn't saying that the master is masculine gurbani doesn't entertain this idea that the divine has a gender the divine is gender neutral free from gender it's not male or female but words within punjabi language are defined to what we would call istri linga puling words istri linga feminine words puling or masculine words so sahib is a masculine word which is why the word sacha is used sacha is also a masculine adjective so it's saying that sacha sahib you would only say sacha to something that's a masculine word otherwise you could say sachi yeah so here the word is a masculine word sacha the word sacha we've come across before in ard sach jugad sach sach doesn't just mean truth it means a permanent truth sach means permanent something that's never changing something that's consistent and say, stays the same throughout so that's the definition of sach and gurbani has said that only the ik the ikonkar that's the only thing that is such that's the only thing that's permanent nothing else is permanent in life yeah so it's reaffirming that idea that this one master is permanent it's unchanging so the second word we see in there is nae sacha sahib sach nae sach again has an anchor underneath it which means it's a masculine word nae here comes from the word nyae nyae means justice a lot of times you'll see the translation of this word saying that it's actually nae means naam which means the name but in this particular verse nae means nyae justice law yeah system of law nyay you might see in a lot of bollywood movies they use the word anyay yeah injust yeah, the big courtroom dramas we like watching those so it says that your system is justice and your justice your system is forever 
So Nyaya here is talking about your hukum. Your hukum is forever going to be going on. And we've just had this message reiterated. Hukumi hukum chalaye rao. It keeps going. Yeah? It's never going to stop. You're never going to stop. And your system is never going to stop. So if we, if we were to translate that line in English, we can say, the unchanging master, Sacha Sahib, the unchanging master, and unchanging law. Think of hukam like a cosmic law. Yeah? Like gravity is a law of physics, a law of science, it's a law of the universe. Hukam is also a cosmic law. It's just the way the system works, the way the universe works. That the universe controls the universe. So, if we were to translate this line, we would say, Satcha Sahib, the unchanging master and un unchanging law, unchanging justice. So, here we can start seeing that Guru Nanak Dev Ji is now creating a, almost a picture, trying to use an analogy. And the analogy being used here is that of a king, Sahib. Yeah? who has a system, a law, a rule of governance. So it's starting to use the analogy of a king, and we'll see that analogy throughout this verse. This verse is really interesting because as we go through it, you'll see that there are many layers to this verse. It's talking to lots of different people in lots of different ways. Yeah, There's lots of subtleties within this verse. So the overall analogy is that the one, the divine, is like a king sitting on his throne giving out instructions. <coughs> That's what your hukam is like. And your instructions of hukam are going to keep going. This king is permanent and this system of delivering hukam is going to be permanent. So this Nyaya system is just talking about the hukam that we've already covered in the previous verses. So if Guru Nanak Dev Ji is saying that you are the master, then Guru Nanak Dev Ji automatically places himself as the servant. If you are my master, then I automatically become your servant. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji places himself as low, as the servant of this master. So all of us are the servants of this master. We are under this master's command. Nobody is outside of the master's command. Yeah. So although the Guru is using almost a human-like analogy, we've now seen enough from the first few verses and the Mulmantir that we're not thinking of a God male, masculine character. That's not what we're talking about. We're simply using that as an analogy. But Gurbani has already described the God that we're talking about. It's oneness, it's universal, it's truth, it's existence. Yeah? It's something that's intangible, it's nirgun, it's sargun, it's formless and with form. So we're not talking about Mr. God here. It's just simply using an analogy of a king, almost painting a picture for us. Because so far, this oneness that we've been talking about in all the verses has been 
very abstract. Doesn't really have something that we can visualize. So Gunanak Dev Ji is creating a visual form for us, but it doesn't mean that this is what God really looks like. Yeah? God doesn't have a form, the oneness doesn't have a form, and yet the oneness takes on all forms. This is the, the way of understanding the oneness. But here it's creating a very specific analogy. Sacha Sahib, Sach Nai, true is your justice, permanent is your justice. But how do you deliver that justice? Bakya Pao Apar. Bakya means language, Pao means love. But you deliver that system in a loving way. And you are infinite, apar. Par means to cross something over. We talk about being able to cross, if, you, if there was a road or if there was a river in front of you, to cross that river would be to, to, to do a par, to cross that. Something that is apar is something that cannot be crossed. Something where you can't get to the other side. There's no limit to you. So apar means unlimited. There's no end to you, limitless. So, although you are like this king-like character, the way that you deliver your hukum is in a loving language. Pakya pal. The language that you speak is love. So the way you conduct your hukum, the way you treat all of your creation is in a loving way. So let's just think about that for a moment. We know that there's this oneness, and we're starting to understand that concept. But how does it speak in love? Guruji isn't saying that you are loving, it's saying that your language is the language of love. You speak in love. The very way that you conduct your, the way you give your instructions out is in a loving way. So let's kind of just dissect this idea a little bit. Being loving has nothing to do with loving another person. Let's think about that. How do we understand love? We understand love that I'm here and there is somebody else that I love. So in order for me to have love, there has to be a somebody else. That's the only way that we understand love. We can love our family, we can love our parents, we can love our husband, our wife, our children. Yeah? But all of those require the other person. So by saying that I love somebody, what you're saying is if that somebody wasn't there, I don't have a capacity to love. My capacity to love requires the other person. This is not the love that we're talking about here. That's a very worldly level love. That's the kind of love that you and me know on a daily basis. We only know how to love the external. So here the word is Pao, love. But Gurbani uses a very specific way of describing love for something external. Gurbani calls that Duja Pao, loving the second, the second type of love. Loving the other, Duja, loving the other. And Gurbani uses that Duja Pao in a negative context. Duja Pao is duality. 
duality means that there is two. There's always two of something. I can only love something else. That's dujapal. I can only love something else. Yeah, something external to me. And Gurbani says that that's not a good love. That's duality. Because if you're stuck in duality, then you're lost in an illusion that there is a me and there is a you. Now, when Gurbani says here that you, you speak this language of love, how can it have the same type of love that we have? It can't. Because it is ik. There is no other. If it has no fear of anyone else, nirpal, if it has no hatred towards anyone else, nirvair, it can also not have any love towards anyone else. Because there is nobody else. There is only one. Not that there is only one God and he just loves himself. There is only oneness. How can the oneness love something else? There is nothing else for it to love. So now Guru Nanadev is introducing a whole different understanding of love. That there is a type of love that is oneness love. Not dujapao, not love of the other. There is a love within itself. So what, what we're talking about here is you need to understand that there is a, a capacity within you to just radiate love. That there's love just pouring out of you. So imagine that you're in a state where there is just love pouring out of you and whoever walks and crosses your path just receives that love. Not because you're in love with that other person, but simply because that's all that's coming out of you. You're radiating love. From within you, there's just love all the time in every direction. That whoever comes across your path, they receive some of that love. But if they leave, your love doesn't stop. So you're in a state of lovingness all the time. That's what this is talking about. And it's starting to hint that there's a type of love that we haven't known, that we haven't done in our life. Yeah, we've always done dujapa. We've always fallen in love with something external. But there's a different type of love here. A love where you're just radiating love. Remember that nothing in Gurbani is just talking about some external God. Yeah? There is no external God. This is God. So if there is a God right here in this room that's just radiating love, then within you there is also that capacity. You also have just as much God inside you as anywhere else. God is equally in you than anywhere else. And you can't focus on God anywhere else. You can only focus on the God within yourself. Yeah, You can't find God who's sitting in a tree. Because that's not you. So within you, if there is this oneness that's just radiating love, then you have to find, is there a part of me that's also doing that, that I've just never known? Is there a way to live in a loving way that is independent of anybody else? Friend or enemy comes across your path, you're just bursting with love. That's the love being talked about.
And this is your language of love. Pakya Pao. Your language is of love. And it's infinite. Apart. You are infinite and this will never stop. That's how the oneness lives. It lives in a state of love. And when it is in love with everything and anything, of course then it is Nanak Viksave Parva. Of course it is carefree. Of course it is playful. Of course, of course it is worry-free. Because it's just radiating love, like nothing can affect it. Good things happen, it's in love. Bad things happen, it's just in love all the time. So there's a part of us that we can try and learn from this, that there's a way to live that we haven't necessarily known before. This is how the universe works. We're just on the first line, yeah? <laughs> there's lots of different levels to the shabbat, which is it's so interesting. Sacha sahib, sach nai, pakya pao apar. Now, this is about the God that we've been talking about. This is also talking to us on a personal level. Now there's a subtext to this. There's a whole different meaning to the Shabbat, to this one particular line. Guru Nanak Dev Ji, so far, has been talking to us, the individual, and has also been talking to the sadhus and the pundits of the time. They're asking question, does meditation work? Does chupe chup work? Does socha socha work? Yeah? Do all these things work? So Guru Nanak Dev Ji is having a conversation with us, with the divine and or with these religious scholars. Now Guru Nanak Dev Ji is talking to another group. He's talking now to the establishment. He's talking to the monarchy. He's talking to the rulers of countries, the rulers of India at the time. And what he's doing, he's introducing a new system of governance. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is introducing the Sikh, the Gurmat system of how do you govern a people. Now let me explain what we mean. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says that there's a new way to be a king. And that is a king which is loving and fair and just. Now, so far, in India at the time, that's not how the kings were. There are two main systems of governance in India at the time. One is the Islamic form of governance, Islamic law, which is called Sharia law. Sharia law is based on an idea of submission, that all mankind must submit to the will of Allah. And since Allah doesn't exist here, you have to submit to Allah's main advisors, the main representatives of Allah, be him the priest or be the king of the time. Which is why all the Islamic kings around Guru Nanak Dev Ji's time were seen as the manifestation of, of, of Allah. And if Allah doesn't exist, then Allah in human form, in the king, has to exist in a way that no matter what you say, whether fair or unfair, my duty as a true Muslim is to submit to that will. That's Sharia law. The basis of Sharia law is just unwielding, unquestioning submission. No matter what you do, I'm not going to question it. That's Sharia law, submission. Hindu law 
is explained in Manu Simritis, the laws of Manu. And that system is based on fear. That system says that there's a hierarchy and the people at the very top of the hierarchy are right to treat the lower classes as lower class victims. So there's the Islamic system, Sharia law, which is submit, submit no matter what. And the Manu law, which says that the top should make the lower classes fear them. And to some extent, this is how we have law in this country. We are supposed to fear the, the lawmakers in some way. Yeah, They're supposed to be fair, but ultimately their system is based on fear. So the Hindu system allows for suppression of the lower classes by the elite, by the Brahmin classes. Yeah? Gurmat introduces a new system. Guru Nanak Dev is actually introducing a new way to govern people. And his system is Nyai, justice. To be a just ruler, a fair ruler no matter what. That you must be fair. The ruler is not to be feared because the people being ruled should be in their power. The people being ruled should be nirpal and the ruler should be fair and loving so that the people being ruled will respect you and allow you to rule them. I allow you to rule me because I see you as a fair ruler. And instead of the ruler being someone to be feared, instead of the ruler looking down at the people being ruled, in the Gurmat system, the ruler is the servant of the people. This same system continues and we have Guru Gobind Singh Ji bowing down to the Khalsa. So Guru Gobind Singh Ji is following this system. It's a completely new way of being a ruler where the ruler goes down and says that I am your servant. So this is where we have this concept of Ape Gur Chela. You are the guru, you're at the top, but you're also the servant at the same time. This has never existed before as a form of being a ruler. This model has never existed before. Guru Nanak Dev Ji introduces this model here. That a sahib has to be truthful, has to be fair and loving. In Banda Singh Bahadur's time is the first time that we start seeing a kingdom being set up by this system. A ruler working in this system and Sikh scholars and Islamic scholars of the time have all noted that Banda Singh Bahadur's style of, of ruling was based on Nyai, was based on justice. That it was a completely new way of ruling people. It wasn't the Islamic way of submission and it wasn't the Hindu way of fear. So Banda Singh Bahadur in his time actually started to create a mini kingdom for the short time that he was around, started to create a system like this. So very interesting that Guru Nanak Dev Ji is actually talking to the establishment and he says that your way of ruling isn't the right way of ruling. Sacha, Sahib, Sachanai, this is how to be a king. Your language should be loving. Your system should be fair. 
The next line says, Akhe Mange De De Dat Kare Data. Akhe means to, to say, Mange means to ask, Mang. De De. We say and we ask, Give, give, De De. Dat Kare Data. And the provider keeps providing. Dat means providing. Kare means does. Data, the provider. So, you are fair, you are a master. We continue to ask from you and you continue to give. We say and ask, give, give. Akhe mange de de. Dat kare data. The provider continues to provide. This is related to a line we've seen before. Denda de. Oh, Deja, Deja, Deja. He continues to give. Denda, De, Lende, Takpai. Yeah, we might get tired, but the provider doesn't get tired. Juga, Jugantar, Kai, Kai. Over ages and ages, we continue to consume and eat and eat. This is the same line here. Ake, Mange, De, De. We keep saying, give me more, give me more. This is how we live. Nothing is ever enough. Always want something more. Yeah? No matter what we get, even though dat kare data, even though the giver keeps giving, we keep asking for more. And just one more thing, just one more, yeah? And so let's remind ourselves, we covered this with Dinda Dilandai. Let's remind ourselves, how do we ask? We're always praying for something. Yeah? There's always a monk. There's always Icha inside us. Every time we matha take, we're asking for something in some way or another. Even if it's look after me, protect me, I'm your servant. There's a request. There's never a thank you for everything that you've done. I'm okay now. It's always, yeah, look after me today. Yeah, look after this, look after that. We keep doing it. We have so many expectations in life. Yeah, we always expect something good to happen. When we eat a meal, we expect the next meal to be there ready. We might have to chop the vegetables, but at least they're there. We expect the sun to rise the next morning. We never go to sleep and say, thank you. You've given us a lifetime full of sunny days, but that's enough. If it doesn't sun, if sunshine doesn't come, if the morning doesn't come, I'm okay with that. We don't say that. We always expect the sun to rise. So we're always expecting. Every breath that we take in, we blow a breath out. We expect the next inhale to be there ready for us. Yeah, we never say that's enough. I'm happy. Let this be my last breath. I don't care. We don't say that. We expect the next. Yeah, not just the next one, not just the next birthday, but the next. <coughs> we say, may you live a long life. Lambi umar. We stand in front of Guruji and we ask for Lambi umar. Why? It's not the Gurmat way. The Gurmat way is to say thank you. What you've given is more than enough. If you bless us with more, thank you. But we're standing there, Yeah. We have the audacity to stand and ask for more. And we think that this is called Ardas. This is not the meaning of Ardas. Yeah? We'll go on to that later. 
there's a video that uh, this should look short video like seven eight minutes explaining a different way of looking at her vows and it's got nothing to do with asking for things yeah because guruji is almost criticizing us here dat kare datar par akhe mange de de aur de aur de give me more give me more and the datar lovingly keeps giving yeah din da de lende tak Yet we have the audacity to go and ask for more. Maharaji, just this one more thing. Yeah. Whatever the intention is, even if we're asking for somebody else, exams, passing our exams, a new car, let the marriage go well, let the newlywed couple have a son or a daughter, and let them have another one, let the son go to school. <laughs> It never stops. It's always ake mange dede. We need to be conscious of Of what we're doing. Otherwise, we can think that the way it is right now, even within the Gurdwaras, we think this is fine. This is Gurmat. Yeah, Gurmat is only what's in Gurbani, not what everybody does. And Gurbani tells a different story of how to live. We have to live in a way that says, "Dat kare data." You keep giving. Why do you keep giving? Yeah, we have to live in that way, not in. Yeah, give me some more, and I'll stand here for five minutes as long as I get what I ask for. And we perpetuate this idea. We misquote Gurbani to the extent that we says, "Jo mange thakur apne the soi soi deve." That's not what that line means. Yeah. That's a, if you read the whole Shabbat, that that line isn't even the Rao line. That's not even the central line of the Shabbat. People have taken that line, taken it out of context. Said, "Yeah, sure. You even see it written above the Gurdwara at the top, just where you're about to go put your money in the Golak. Jo mange thakur apne the. Come here. It's like a bank. Come here. Put your money in here. We'll give whatever you want. That's what pundits do. Pundits do. They say, 'Come and you see these adverts in the newspapers. <coughs> give me a hundred pounds, and I will take all your pains away, all your ailments, anything that goes away. I'm surprised when I see these adverts.'" Anything you want, any bimari, rog, anything like that, come give me some money. We'll do some jantar mantar and we'll get rid of it. We've just replaced the pandit and we've called Guru Granth Sahib Ji that. Jo mange thakur apne the soi soi deve. Whatever you ask for, you will get. So we should all be lottery winners by now, right? <laughs> Or have we not asked properly? Did you forget to ask to win the lottery? Because next time you ask, you're guaranteed to get it, according to that line. or according to the way we've misinterpreted that line we have to think about this this is not gurmat this is not the way of having a relationship with this oneness it's talking about something completely different we spend more time asking than actually being grateful yeah akhe mange de de or de or de or give me more give me more yeah but dat kare data it keeps giving what do you need it keeps giving you need sun you need food you need shelter you need breath it gives you that yeah but still you ask for more and we've got we've gotten lost in the things that we get god doesn't give according to our requests the universe is just giving that's what it does in this pakya pao apar it's in a giving nature it just gives but we can't see the giver 
we can only see the things that have been given. Yeah? And because we can only see the gifts, we get lost in these gifts and that becomes maya. That becomes attachment. Forgetting the giver, we just lost in duality. Duja bhao, love of these things. Guru Arjan Dev Ji says, Dat pyari visriya datara. You love the gifts, but you forgot the giver. You constantly forget the giver, but you're in love with all the gifts that you're getting. So if we can't see this giver, if we can see all the gifts, but we can't see the giver, the one that's giving the gifts, then how do we see this giver? It's only understandable. We love all the gifts, but we can't see who's giving the gifts. How do we see it? Then it leads on to very nicely, a nice question. Then what do I do to see this giver? What can I do to see this giver? Fair. Then, ke agera kia. What can I place in front of this kin? Ke agera, agera to put in front of, rakia. What can I put in front of this king? Jit disay darbar. That I may see you sitting in your court. See, darbar. It uses the king analogy. What can I place in front of you? If you're this great providing king, what can I do that I can see you sitting in your, in your darbar? So this is now the second question in Japji Sahib. We had a question at the end of the first verse. Yeah? How can I become truthful? How do I break the falsehood? The question so far always twofold. So there's two parts to this question. Here again, there's two parts to this question. What can I put in front that I may see you? Sitting in your court. Moho ke bolan boliye. From my mouth. Moho. From the mouth. Ke bolan. What words boliye should be said? Jit sur tere pyar. That by which, by saying and by you listening to those words, jit sur, by you listening to those words, you will give me this love. Moho ke bolan boliye. From my mouth. What words should I speak that when you listen to them, you will direct your love at me? Yeah? Jit tare pyar. Tare means kare. You will do. We will do this love towards me. Yeah? So this is the question. Okay, Guru Nanak Dev Ji, you've told us off a little bit. Akhe mange de de. We keep doing that. We acknowledge. Daat kare datar. Then we ask a question, well, how do we see this datar then? Yeah? Dat piyari visriya datar. We know that we love all the gifts. We know that we forget the giver. We've forgotten the giver. How do we see it? What actions should I do? What offering can I do? What ritual can I do? Can I do something special? Is there some special sacrifice that I can make? Yeah, because this is what people think at the time. You know, go get a goat and offer the goat. You see, even in the Christian tradition, I think it's is it Abraham who offered his son. Mm. Yeah? It's the system of give me something that I can that I can give to him. Yeah? 
But the question is irrelevant. Because you are the giver of everything. How can I give when you're the one? If yeah. you've given me lots of things, how can I take one of those things and give them back to you? It's like going to a sweet shop, buying a whole bunch of sweets, and then going back to the shop owner and say, here you go, you can have my sweet. But he's the one who, who has the, all the sweets. It's his sweets. But as soon as it comes in your hands, you think, it's mine now. So I'll be very generous and I'll give one back. Yeah? So the question is almost, it falls down upon itself. How can I give when I already know that I have nothing to give? Yeah? What can you give? Tera kia tujhe kya arpon? Yeah? Comes in the arti. That which you have given, how can I give back to you? What will I give back to you? It's it's already yours to begin with. Yeah? I have nothing. Everything is yours. If I give back to you what was yours to begin with, what have I lost? Like, I can't give anything back to you. So it's a very genuine question. Well, what can I give? If this is a king, look at, look at the, we, we, we've got this system in our Gurdwaras, right? We've got a king sitting on a throne. What do you do first? First thing you do is you make an offering. Yeah, so this is the system of, of all the kings and uh, of the time. And we're still following the system now. That we make an offering first. Yeah? But do we ever think we've got a whole bunch of coins in our wallet or our purse that they're all his already. Or do we just pick one and say, I'll just give that one. I'll keep, I'll keep nine of them and I'll just give one of them. But they're all his already. That's something to remember. So what am I going to offer to you that I can see you? It's a different mind shift. Open your purse next time you take some money out to give, but know that the giving is irrelevant because he's the one who's given it to you in the first place. Where did that maya come from? Where did the body come from? Where did materials, where did coins and money, where, where does all this, it all comes from this earth only. You didn't make the money. Even if you made it, you made it with hands that weren't yours. Even the hands were given to you. So it's a very genuine question, but it kind of doesn't have an answer. Yeah? What can I, what can you do? How do you see this God? What do you give to this God, to this oneness, when it's given you everything. It's a genuine question. What can I say? Is there some special words? Is there some magic holy words that I can say that if you listen to it somehow, I'm going to feel you? Yeah? That's how we kind of use our Gurbani, our Nidhanin. I'm saying some magic words, some holy words. Like, I can't just have a normal conversation with you. I have to have the approved words. And if I read the approved words, somehow lightning's going to strike and I'm going to feel you, I'm going to know you. Yeah? So we're using Barney a bit like that. Like it's, these are the God words. You can only say these God words and somehow God will listen. Oh, somebody's saying my God words, the magic words, abracadabra. Yeah. That's not what Gurbani is. It's not a special... You know, like, do you remember the kids' cartoons, like you say a special magic word and the door opens? Yeah. 
Malki Polen Bolie, Jitson Terepiar. What words can I say by which listening to it you'll come to me, I'll feel your love, you'll throw your love in my direction? Kind of how we use Gurbani, right? Right. How do we? Uh, am I pronouncing? Oh, I'm not pronouncing it correctly. That's why it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying don't read Gurbani. Bani is about understanding and changing how you live. Each Bani has a message for you. Each mantra has a, has a way of delivering that mantra. And that's why we do the practice that we do. When you do mantra, you're not doing it to call Mr. God. You're doing it to dissolve yourself into the God that's already there. It's a completely different way of reading Bani, of understanding mantra, of how to do Nam Simran. Yeah? That's why we do this practice as well. You don't do it as some magic words that God's going to listen and say, Oh yeah, there's one of mine. Yeah. Because why are the Sikh magic words better than the Islamic magic words? They've got a whole text with their words in there. Hinduism's got its own, Buddhism's got its own, every taram has its own magic words. Is, is God just, does he pick a day, he puts his Buddhist clothes on and say, today I'm only going to listen to the Buddhist, tomorrow's the Sikh day, like he has a plan. Like, no, Tuesday, no, I don't do Tuesdays. Day off. <laughs> so, what do we think this God is? Does this God only listen to Punjabi? Does he not listen to the other language? What do we think Gurbani is? We think Gurbani is like some magic words that God will listen to it when we say it. It's not. It's for you, Gurbani. It's not for God. Yeah? That's for your benefit. Yeah? And Gurbani doesn't place itself higher than other spirit, spiritual texts. He doesn't say only read this text and reject all the other ones. Yeah, If they're done properly, if you understand the meaning of all of them, all of them have the right meaning in there. Yeah? Gurbani even says, Ved Katev Kaho Don't call the Vedas and the, and the, the Abrahamic texts wrong. Don't call them wrong. False is the one who doesn't contemplate their meaning. Not the books are wrong, not the texts are wrong. You are wrong if you don't understand what it's saying. The truth is there. Yeah, the truth is there in, in, in those scriptures. Gurbani is not saying reject them. It, Guru has never said, right, leave Hinduism, Islam, leave all that, join my religion. Guru Nanak never wanted you to convert. He's saying, if you're gonna, if you're gonna listen to this particular style or this particular verse or something, this is what it really means. Gurbani is telling us how to be a true Muslim. Gurbani is telling us how to be a true Qazi, a Pandit, Hindu. The descriptions are all there. This is, if you're going to be a Pandit, this is, this is what the true meaning of a Pandit is. This is what a Qazi is. Yeah? This is what Islam really is. This is how to live that life. So he's walking around, Muslim friends, Hindu friends, it doesn't make a difference. Because they're all Sikhs as far as Gurnan is concerned, because they understand the true meanings. Yeah. Again, we flipped things around. We say Sikhi is one religion, Hinduism is another religion. What's Paimardana then? What is he? Because he's doing his namaz. 
Guru Nanak even takes him to Mecca to do Hajj. So, is he a Sikh or a Muslim? What is he? According to Gurmat, he's a Sikh. Not because he left Islam, because he understood Islam. That's what makes him a Sikh. Nandalal, you see all lots of examples. So it's not anti any other religion. It doesn't care about religion. This stuff is relevant to everyone. Yeah? I don't think Gurbani is trying to tell you to follow the religion. I think Gurbani is telling you to follow the meaning of what it's saying. Look behind the practices and understand what it's saying. So yeah. follow it to the best of your ability. No, don't follow it. Understand it. Understand it. Understand it to the best of your ability. Nitanam isn't a chore. It's out of love that you do it. Yeah. It shouldn't be like I can't stand doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. It's it's a, it's part of your understanding. Actually, I can see the benefits of doing this. Yeah. yeah? And it's the same with any rituals. Gurbani said, don't practice these rituals if you don't understand what they're meaning. The rituals alone mean nothing. Going and bathing in some holy water doesn't mean anything. He's talked, in fact, he's, he's advocated that you don't follow your religion properly, just doing what everyone else does. You follow the meaning of the religion. What's it trying to teach you? That's what Gurman is telling you. Yeah? So we're not special because we are Sikhs. Of course we're not. Because we're all the same. Really. What is a Sikh? If you believe the story that Guru Nanak Dev Ji comes out of the river, and his first message to mankind is Nakum Hindu, Nakum Musliman. There is no such thing as Hindu, there's no such as Muslim. If we were there at the same time, he'll say, Nakosik. Manuski There is only humans. What? What makes you sick? You grow your hair and you wear a kara? Does that stop you from being a human? And what makes you a Muslim? What makes you a Hindu? It's like all external things. The Gurbani is talking to the guy inside. The person inside you has no jat, no path. Yeah? It's just another brick. Yeah. Gurbani is talking to the light inside you. Manatu, Jod, Sarupaha, Apna, Murpachan. He's not saying that just to the Sikhs. Yeah? Saying to, to the mind. Anyone who has a mind, this stuff is relevant. So the question is, what do I do? How do I see this? What shall I place in front of you? What can I say that you will direct your love at me? From the mouth, what sayings can be spoken, listening to which this oneness can love us? That love that you speak of, this Pakya Pao, yeah, this language of love, direct it this way. What do I need to do for that? That was the answer. Amrit Vela Sachanao Vadiai Vicha. Again, what's so interesting about this Shabbat is it's introducing lots of new concepts. Nyai, Sahir, Pao. And now it's introducing a, a, all of these things haven't come up so far. And now is the first time it mentions this word Amrit. It's the first mention of this word Amrit so far. Yeah? What to us in our tradition is a very key concept. This is the first mention of it. And I always like to put emphasis on the first mention. 
because that I think defines <coughs> what the definition is. Like the first time we talk about Naam is Sat Naam. That means existence is Naam. Everything is Naam. So a mantar isn't just Naam. Everything is Naam. So every time you talk about Naam, it has to go back to the first definition of Naam, Sat Naam. So this is the first time Amrit as a concept is being introduced. Amrit Vela Satya Naam Vadiyai Vichar Amrit here there's about eight or nine different spellings of Amrit in Gurbani. I won't go through all of them. Um, here, the Amrit doesn't have an Ankar. It should have an Ankar at the end, but it doesn't have an Ankar. We call words that should have an Ankar that don't Mukta. Mukta means liberated, free. So a word in grammar which should have an Ankar at the end that doesn't is called a Mukta word. And we've come across this before. Words that are mukta are words that instead of being singular are plural. But here this is not a plural word. This amrit isn't. So there are other reasons for words being mukta. And the reason is that a mukta word can also be a word that is joined to something else. So amrit has to be a joined to something else in order for it to be mukta. Now let's let me refresh your memory. We've seen this once before. Akal murat. Akal should have an ankar underneath it, but it doesn't in the mantra. That means that akal is joined to the next word murat. Akal murat. You have to say them as one phrase. Right. Otherwise, you'd say satnam karta purak nirpao nirvair akal murat ajuni. You would put the pause at akal if it had an ankar underneath it. But because akal is a masculine word and doesn't have an ankar, we know that it's joined to the next word, akal, murat. In the same way, amrit should have an ankar, but it doesn't. So we know it's joined to the next word, amrit vela. So amrit vela is a phrase. Yeah? You could almost, in English, we would hyphenate. Yeah? In English, we would hyphenate. Amrit vela. We put amrit dash vela. So the hyphen is implied by the Ankar being missing. Amrit Vela. <coughs> what does Amrit mean? Many different definitions of Amrit. The basic definition is nectar. The basic definition is nectar. But if you break the word down, it also has a different meaning. Mrit means moth, death. Amrit means beyond death. So Amrit also means immortality. Mrit means death. Mrityu yeah, means death. Amrit means beyond death. So when you're blessed with Amrit, you're not just blessed with a sweet drink, which is what nectar means. You're blessed with immortality. Which is why in the old days, the Amritaris, the Khalsa, were called Akalis. Akal means immortals. The Amritaris, the ones who had been given Amrit, were called Akali. He is an Akali. He is an immortal. Amrit means immortal. Beyond death. 
Amrit Vela. <coughs> Amrit Vela means a time. Vela means time, a moment in time. Now, in in the old Indian tradition, where you don't have watches, yeah, right now we break a day up into 24 hours. You need to have a watch in order to know when the hour has come up. In the old system, when everyone didn't have watches, instead of 24 hours, they broke the day into eight sections. We break the day into 24 sections, but there, and you'll see it again again refer referenced in Bani as Artapahar, eight sections of the day. Each section is equivalent to three hours today. So a 24 hour day, yeah, eight times three, 24, yeah. Each section, so the first section will be midnight to three, three to six, six to nine, nine to 12, and then again. So art Peher means eight sections of the day, which means the day is broken up into eight sections, which is each section is equivalent to three hours. Amrit Villa is referred to as the fourth section of the night. Right? What does that mean? That means the day, daytime is considered 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., which has four sections of three hours each. And the nighttime is considered 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And in those four sections, the last one is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's the last section of the nighttime. That's Amrit Vila, the last section of the nighttime, the fourth section of the night. According to this system, it has to be within the... Within the the art peher system, it has to be within one of the pehers. So the pehers can only be one to three, three to six, something like that. It's not that it's wrong ultimately if you wake up earlier or later, it's not, not a problem. And don't all start it's resetting your clock. Now, now. now can you have a three? Oh, no. yeah. I was doing it wrong all this time. Why could I go do ten, ten job times? Go forgive yourself. So it's not. Like, it's just how the day was broken up in the time system. Yeah. Amrit Vela is not a new concept. It's not doesn't belong to us. Yeah. In Hinduism, this is called Brahmurat, the God Hour, the God Moment, Brahmurat. In Islam, it's called Al Sabah. Sabah means morning, which we get the word Subah from. Allah means Allah's morning, Allah morning, Al Sabah. So this is not a new concept, this idea of waking up in the morning early. Yeah, we call it Amrit Vela, Hinduism they call it Brahmura, Islam they call it Al Sabah. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji says the answer to the question of what do you need to do, what do you need to offer, what do you need to say in order to make this God more visible to you, Amrit Vela, in the early hours of the morning, such now. Focus on the truth, the true name, that permanent name. In the ambrosial time, recite such now. Recite is implied, it doesn't say jap. Amrit Vela, such now. That unchanging name, that permanent name. Spend some time in your early morning on this satnam, 
and vadiyai vichar vichar means to contemplate vadiyai means the greatness contemplate this greatness so what do you have to offer you don't have to offer any offerings any sacrifice yeah you don't have to give anything what you have to do is prioritize this stuff in your life remember this yeah interesting fun fact for you the phrase amrit vela appears only once in guru granth sahib ji here it appears slightly differently in couple of other shabads amrit vele amrit vel amrit vele but amrit vela as a phrase the one that we refer to all the time amrit vela only appears once in guru granth sahib here that's it bhai gurdas ji mentions it a couple of times in his bani so what is guruji saying here if you want to offer something if you want to do something about it start your day with naam start your day with naam and understanding of this greatness just spend a moment before you get lost in the hectic life that you have just spend a moment appreciating what what this life is and what is we've seen the word vadiyai before yeah what greatness are you, are you talking about god's greatness can you contemplate god's greatness the greatness of the whole universe hukme uttam nej hukam mile vadiyai your own life which how we describe that is the vadiyai that you've been given your own life is the greatness is the greatest gift if you're asking for any gifts you're missing out on the fact that you have the greatest gift already so do some time vichar on this in the morning sit up and just spend a bit of time on this so the existing hindu traditions encourage that you have to do something that you have to give some money you have to sacrifice something yeah you have to do some special actions you have to go visit some holy places you have to say some magic words yeah some ritual needs to be done to obtain god that's the system of the time guru nanak dev ji saying actually just remember just remember this so nanak is promoting naam as his system this is his tarab yeah and this goes hand in hand with the previous answer to the question gives charak ye ki kure to te pal hukam razai chalna you don't have to do anything soche soch na hove chup chup na hove you don't have to do any of these special actions just walk on path of hukum hukum razai chalna so nanak here is also saying the same thing yeah that guru nanak dev ji is promoting remembering as the system as the thing that you need to offer if you can offer something offer naam the question then comes but why amrit vela why at the difficult time yeah how do we all wake up in the morning you wake up in the morning alarm goes off if you set an alarm most of us you get out of bed and you already have 10 things in your mind that you have to do yeah that's natural 
Because what you're doing is you're waking up at the last moment, just before, you're just getting, squeezing in enough sleep just before you have to get up in order to fulfill all those duties. Whether that's getting kids ready, whether that's going to school, going to work, preparing the house, chores, doing what, you wake up just in time to do all those things. We all do that, yeah? What is Amrit Villa? Amrit Villa means spend a bit of time before your duties start. A bit of focused time before your duties start. Before your worldly duties start, because you wake up in the morning, you're straight away connecting with all of your worldly duties. Guruji is saying, wake up before that time. Before the worldly duty starts, wake up then, so that you can actually spend some time in contemplation, in meditation, without the disturbance of all the things that you need to do. Yeah? That's the only time of the day that you have, which is yours. It's not dedicated to the things that you already have to do. You're not late for work or need to get ready or put the kettle on or whatever it is. You've got some time. And by doing that, what are you doing is you're saying to yourself, I'm prioritizing this in my life. Yeah? If you've got to catch a flight, you wake up, right? Yes. Even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you're going to wake up because you've got to catch a 6 o'clock flight. 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, you're doing it. Why? Because mm. catching the flight is a priority. What you're doing every day here is you're saying, I'm prioritizing this in my day. Yeah? This is a priority for me. This is something that I actually want. This is something that means something to me. Otherwise, we're going to carry on living our life, trying to wake up late, do all those things. And God's the last priority. Nam Simran is the last priority. When I get time, that's when I find I do some Simran. Guru Nanak Dev is saying, make some time before your day starts, rather than at the end of the day, don't let Nam Simran be an afterthought. Make it the first thought. When you wake up in the morning, make that the first thing that you do. Make Simran and Nam your primary concern in life, because that's what we do. You wake up and all the concerns, all the things that you're worried about start to play in your mind. Gurnanak Dev is saying, well, make this the primary concern. And he's only offering a, a bit of advice, he's only offering, well, this is a very useful way to do it, because you've asked the question, how do I find God? If you really want to find God, prioritize God. Yeah, not Mr. God. Yeah. The God that's within you. So that's why Amrita Yeah, before you wake up and think, start thinking about your family, work, food, whatever it is that you wake up and think about. <coughs> You're showing commitment to contemplating this thing and praising the divine before anything else. And the earlier you wake up, the less worries you'll have in your, in, on your mind. If you wake up 10 minutes before you actually have to get out of bed, you're probably already thinking about the things that you need to do. Yeah, you give yourself 5-10 minutes and okay, I'll give myself a bit of time. But if you woke up an hour before, then you actually, you'll see that I don't have to think about that until six o'clock. I don't even have to worry about that. Yeah? 
like I've got a whole hour to myself that I don't even have to think about that. So you notice within yourself, the earlier you wake up, the less worries you'll have in your mind. So Guru Nanak Devji offers to you this solution. Wake up early and try and prioritize this. If you want to sit and do Nam Simran, try. like when we come here, you do it at the end of the day, your work commitments are done. But probably even when you're sitting here, you've probably got some commitments that you're thinking, oh, uh, did I leave the, the oven on? You know, it's like, there's always something in the back of your mind. When you wake up first thing in the morning, when there's nothing on your mind, because you've already gone to sleep having resolved all your affairs. Yeah, you've made your sure, switch the oven off, you set the alarm, you do all the things that you need to do, right? So you've done all those. That's why you were able to go to sleep. Wake up early and still be in that mode of just tranquility. Amrit Vela Sachanal. In the early hours, try this. Meditate on this. And just think about the greatness of life. Appreciate life for what it is, not about what you want to get out of it. Yeah? Amrit Vela Sachanal. The true name, meditate on this on this name, which is anything, any word, just anything that allows you to, to focus on this. And Vadiya Vichar, contemplate the greatness of what you already have, not starting to think about what you need to do. And the second part to the answer, Karmi Ave Kapra Nadarim Karmi. Karam has two meanings. Karam can mean your actions, like we use the word Pichli Karam. But karam also has a different meaning, which means your grace, the grace, God's grace, divine grace. Here, karmi means grace. It doesn't mean your actions. Karmi ave kapra. Kapra means some sort of garment or a robe. By grace, you get given this robe. <coughs> what robe are we talking about? The robe of doing good actions. The robe of waking up in the morning. Some people also say that karmi ave kapra means kapra is talking about the body. That only by good fortune have you even had this opportunity to wake up in the morning because you've been given this understanding, you've been given this body, you've been given the ability to actually do this. But kapra means robe, yeah? So either the, the robe of honor, like imagine the king analogy. The king analogy is kind of giving you some sort of robe of honor. Yeah, that doesn't come by your own. You don't just come in wearing the robe of honor. It's like the king grants it to you with its with his grace. Karmi ave kapra. So with his grace, you get this opportunity to even do this. So notice how it takes the ego away. Guru Nanak Dev Ji does this time and time again. Wherever he offers you a solution, hang on, don't think that you're waking up Amrit Vela. It's his grace that you're waking up Amrit Vela. That's why even in Ardas we say Amrit Vele Jagan Vida. We ask, yeah, for just give us the opportunity to wake up in the morning so that we can remember you. Yeah, it's not by waking up three hours you can catch up on your, you know, Netflix or whatever. It's not waking up early to do other things. Wake up early so you can do this. But don't have an ego that says, look how early I wake up. What time do you wake up? You wake up 4 o'clock, I wake up 3 o'clock. <laughs> no. Guru Nanak Devji, as soon as he gives you a solution, says, oh yeah, but it's not your doing. If you wake up early, it's not your doing. Karmi, I wake up. 
and nadari. Karam and nadari are the similar words. Karam means by his grace. Nadar means by his vision, by his glance. His nadar. Yeah? We can say nazar. Yeah, in today's language, we talk about somebody's giving me like negative vibes. Burina. <coughs> So it means positive or negative. Nadar. Nadri. By his grace, by his nadar, by him looking in your direction, only then you will achieve mok duar. Again, a brand new concept. Mok comes from Sanskrit word moksha, which means mukti, liberation. By its grace, you receive the robe. Yeah. By its grace, the robe is received. By its glance, the mok duar. The duar means door. Darwaja. Mok means mukti. Mukti da darwaja. The door of liberation. It's like, well, hang on, I didn't ask for the door of liberation. Yeah, what did I ask for? I asked, how do I see this? Jit Darbar, Jit What's this door of liberation you're offering me now? New concepts coming in all the time, yeah? Qurbani is building upon these ideas now. And why only the door of liberation? Why not the whole the whole thing? What am I gonna do with the door of liberation? Why don't I get the whole thing? If liberation is like a palace, why do I get the door? Interesting ideas, no? So what's Guruji saying? By your grace, I obtain this vision. This vision allows me to give, give myself time to wake up in the morning. And by your grace, by your vision, I get the door of liberation. So what do we mean by that? What is liberation? What are we talking about? Traditionally, moksha means mukti from reincarnation. That's the traditional concept. Yeah? That you're here and you're going to be going into the circle of life and death, of birth and rebirth. And I think in Sanskrit they call it like samsara or something. There's, a, there's an idea of moving away, freeing yourself from this circle of Gunnar is here is not introducing the idea of, of reincarnation. He's not entertaining that idea just yet. He's just saying, if you're after mukti, this is the way to do it. It's not by your doing, it's by grace. And the door of liberation, liberation means free, freedom. Chakara, you get free. So liberation is endless. Yeah, you can be shown the door to liberation, but once you walk through the door, liberation isn't something that you gain. Liberation is something that you dissolve into. You, by you being liberated, by you receiving mukti, means you you cease to exist. So you can be shown the door. Once you walk through that door, you disappear. So it's not something that you can obtain. You can't get mukti. You can fall into mukti. Yeah? 
Because if you're obtaining mukti, then you're saying, well, I'm still here, but I'm mukt. But no, but then who is mukt? Because you're still here. Yeah? Ego. Guru Nanak Devji just can't stand the ego. Just keeps trying to knock you down and keeps trying to present your ego back to you. Because you could actually have people that says, I'm liberated, I've got mukti. It's a statement that just counteracts itself. Yeah. Mm. If I have mukti, then who is the I? If there is an I, then you're not liberated. <coughs> yeah? So interesting ideas here, mokdwar. You can't get mukti, but you can get the door of mukti. Once you walk through it, you're, you're finished. You don't come back. Yeah? It's like the similar concept that says, if you understand, yeah, if you understand hukam, then you cease to exist. So the question, let's go back to the question. How do I do this? How do I see you? Guruji says, try Amrit Vela. Yeah, that's, that's pretty solid advice. But it's not your doing. If you do Amrit Vela every morning, don't think it's you. It's grace. With his another. So you don't do it because if I wake up, a hundred Amratvelas by the hundred and first one, I'll get my 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 mukti. Yeah, we're not counting. Like, am I going to get my mukti today? No. You're doing it out of fear. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it because this is important to your life, not because there's an end goal. Because actually, getting up and meditating is a nice thing to do. It's it's something that you get something out of, contemplating and appreciating life and living. And remember, what was the opening line? Yeah? It's starting to live in this way that you just radiate this. You just become somebody where this is just a part of your life. This love for everything, this is how you will achieve that. Not by your ego saying, I wake up every morning and I'm doing it only to get to get the end goal. Otherwise, you're asking for something. That's what you need to focus on in the morning. Dat kare datar. Oh wow, I'm, I'm here for another day. Another breath. Another moment that I can remember you. Not, I'm doing it to ask for liberation. Because then, you're forgetting that you're getting already lots of gifts. You're asking for the next one. That's not how we do it. If you're going to get mukti, don't worry. Leave it up to, up to the one. The one will decide whether you get mukti or not. That's not for you to worry about. That's not what your priority is. That's not the reason why you get up with river. It's taking mukti out of your desire. Yeah? Raj na chahu, mukt na chahu. I don't want to be a king. King analogy. I don't want mukti. Man preet charan kamalare. <coughs> I want my mind to be in love with your lotus feet. That's all I want. Breathe, love. It's I want to live a loving life. I'm just loving and in awe of your greatness all the time. That's what I'm asking for. Rajna chahu, mukhna chahu. Bani says, I don't want mukti. I want to be in love with you. So this love concept is really coming strong here. Yeah? What can I say that I can feel your love? I just want to feel your love and I want to experience you. I want to see you. 
I can see everything else, but behind it, I know you're there, but I can't see you. Guru Nanak Dev says, wake up in the morning and spend your morning contemplating on this. This is you, God is you, everything is God. Then start your day. Start your day having already thought about it. You, know, you kind of think about what your priority in life is. My priority in life is I want to see you everywhere. If it happens, it's It's His grace. But that's not your focus. Your focus is I'm doing it because I love you. I'm, I want to be in a loving state. Not a dualistic love, not dujabhav. I want to be in a state of love all the time. I am in a state of love all the time. If God is in love, then I am in love. <coughs> Notice that just giving lots of money to charity and being a good person isn't the answer to the question. Yeah? Classic question you always get. Yeah? Why do I need religion? What's wrong with just being a good person? It's fine, but you're going to be in duality. There's a lot that's wrong with duality. There's a lot of issues that come. You get duk and suk with duality. With non-duality, there's a completely different way to live. That you're just radiating love. It's a different way to live. If you don't want it, that's up to you. Be a good person. But this is you're far more capable than being just a good person. <coughs> you're capable of being <coughs> a superhero. Yeah? When we talked about Guru in Mool Mantar, we talked about what is the Guru capable of doing? It says in Asariwar, Balhari Gur Apne Deohari Sadwar. I, I bow down to this Guru, Jin Manaste Devte Kiye. That can turn men into gods. You can become a Devta. Yeah? You can become not superhero Devta, but as in far more high, higher than what the ordinary human being is. Your capacity to grow, the pinnacle of the human experience is what is being offered to you. This is what you have an opportunity for. The pinnacle of the human experience. Is this the pinnacle of the human experience? Get up, go to work, have a family, feed yourself, fatten yourself a little bit, watch a bit of TV. That's not the pinnacle of the human experience. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is the pinnacle of the human experience and he's offering it to you. He's saying, this is how you do it. <coughs> he never places himself in some hierarchy that says, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Tough luck, guys, you can't do it. He's not saying that. He's saying it's perfectly achievable. It's with his grace. Yeah. Natu ave vas bauta danade. God will not be achieved just by being a good person and giving loads to charity. Specifically says that in Bani. Doesn't mean don't give to charity. But don't think that this is a holy thing to do. Yeah? What are you giving? Yeah? Because you don't have anything to give. What are you giving? The only thing that you have to give is your awareness. Where am I going to spend my time? What am I going to be thinking about? So... Question, how do I obtain your darshan? Darshan is obtained by two things. Yeah? How do I get the vision of you? That's the question, right? How do I achieve this? It's achieved 
by a combination of two things. One is you apply your consciousness, you prioritize this, and thinking about this is your priority. Second is grace. It's a combination of you starting your day and prioritizing this in the morning, and part two is grace. So darshan is a two-part thing. So if someone's an atheist, that's the grace, that's the difference, isn't it? Of course it is. <coughs> God is in the atheist, is in the Hindu, is in the Muslim, is in everything. So it's their karam. We should be very sympathetic with the atheists. What the atheists actually have a problem with is a very Christianized definition of God. By that standard, we are also atheists. Because we don't believe in Mr. God. And they don't believe in Mr. God. And the Bible of the atheist is Richard <coughs> Dawkins, yeah? What's it called? The, the God delusion? That's like the Bible of the atheists, right? But he's specifically talking about Mr. God. And we agree with him. There is no Mr. God. We are more atheists than we are believers in this God. Yeah? Blindly believing. This is. Do you see what I mean about the Islamic tradition of Sharia law that says you must believe in Allah. If you don't believe in Allah, you will be damned to hell. That is a system that they're just saying, take it or leave it. This is Sharia law. This is submit. You just have to submit to this. You don't get a say in this. Guru Nanak Dev Ji at no point says, believe in God. In fact, we can confidently say Guru Nanak Dev Ji does not believe in God. Because what does believe mean? Believe means, I don't know that you're there, but I believe you're there. The dictionary definition of the word belief means to put your faith in something that you don't know to be true. I believe in aliens. I don't know that there are aliens. I believe there are aliens. My five-year-old believes in the tooth fairy. He doesn't know that there's a tooth fairy. He just believes that there's a tooth fairy. He's never seen it. Is that Guru Nanak's experience of, of God? Does Guru Nanak say, I don't know that there's a God, but I believe that there's God, and you lot should all believe it because I'm the prophet. What kind of system is that? Where you just blindly believe something that you've never seen? Guru Nanak is not offering something blind. The question is, how do you see this God? The answer is, you can. You just have to prioritize it. You have to prioritize your mind to think in a particular way. That actually this is God, Satnam, everything is God. Prioritize that way of thinking that when you're having a conversation, you're having a conversation with God. You're seeing God, you're talking to God, God is talking to God. Prioritize that way of thinking in your mind every day. And with grace, you'll actually get there. You'll actually be able to see this. That's the system. It's not saying, if you do it, you're guaranteed to get it. It's saying, it's a combination. You have to do your bit. Yeah? says, take one step in this path. The Guru will take millions of steps towards you. It's a combination. But you've got to do your bit. And the bit is... Are you going to prioritize this or is this going to be an afterthought? If it's going to be an afterthought, don't expect fantastic results because you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not prioritizing it. 
Barney talks to you at different levels. It talks to you as individuals like we are in our mind, and it says, wake up in the morning. And when you wake up in the morning, so don't think you wake up in the morning. That's, all common. That's how he's answered this question. Otherwise, for a moment, if you allow yourself the ego that says, check me out. I woke up. Amritvela. That's the whole point of waking up at Amritvela, so you don't think like that. And the final line, Nanak Eva Janiya. Nanak says, by doing this, Eva, this, you will come to know that everything is you. Sab ape The question is, how do I see you? Fair ke agge rakhye jit darbar. That I can see you sitting in your court doing everything. Nanak says, by doing this Amrita by prioritizing this in your life, by getting a bit of kirpa as well, Nanak, Eve, Janiya, you will come to know that actually he's already here. Sab ape, everything is already God. You just can't see God. Don't think that you're trying to see something else, like behind this you're going to see some magic. No. You're not seeing some magic. You're seeing what is really there. You're not, actually the delusion is being lifted. Yeah? How do I break? Like, what the question is really saying is, what I'm seeing right now isn't right. What I can see right now isn't the right thing. How do I break this wall of falsehood? <coughs> and Guru Nanak Dev Ji uses a very specific word here, Satya. Because two verses ago, the, the first question was asked, Give Satyara Hoye. So he's still answering that. Nanak Eve Janiye, Sab Ape Satyar. Then you will get Satyar. So he answers the first question. He's answering the first question and the second question. Give Satyara Hoye. Yeah? At the end of the first verse. And in the end of the fourth verse. So notice at the end of each verse, it's kind of just following on the. One answer is just being elaborated on. Nanak says, first he said, Hukam Razai Chana. Then he said, Nanak Hukam First you walk on the path of Hukam. You have to understand Hukam. Now you've got to actually do something. Wake up in the morning and actually appreciate this Hukam on a daily basis. It's not a one, it's not a one-time deal. Okay, I get Hukam. Thank you. He's not saying that. Amrit Villa, do it every day. Wake up every day. Nanak, Eva, by doing this, Janiya, you will come to know that everything is Ape, is Him. Sub Ape, everything is Him. And then you will become Satyar. Give Satyara Huya. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji continues the same themes. Otherwise, it's very difficult when you're reading Japji Sahib, you start reading one verse and you're like, I have no idea how this relates to the previous verse. It's just one talk about Hukam, one talk about Gavier. This is talking about Satya Sahib. They're like completely unrelated. So it seems. But spend a bit of time and you'll start seeing the thread that's kind of going through all of this. Nanak Eva Janiya Sab Satya. And this Satya concept is going to carry on. We'll come across this later on. Yeah? Gurbani says in Japji Sahib, Tal Taram Daya Kapoor. Santok Tha Prakhyajan Sud 
Jacob Buche over Satyar. So he's going to answer this. And how do you get this Satyar? Buche, by understanding. We'll cover what these words mean later on. But he's continuing to answer the first question. He hasn't forgotten the question. Yeah? Not like me, just deviates and starts talking about 10 different things. Guru Nanak Dev comes back to the point every time. So even later on, he's going to elaborate on this idea. So Nanak says, by doing this, by this Eva, by this Amrit Vela, by doing this effort, it will come to be known. You will know. Nanak Eva Janiya, you will know this. And look at the same concept again and again. It's not about achieving, it's about knowing, about understanding. What's the title of the Shabbat? Jap. Jap means to know. Nanak Hukme Je Bujhe, if you understand the Hukum. Nanak Eve Janiye, you will come to know. This is all about just knowing the truth, about understanding the truth, about reminding yourself of the truth. That's Sikhi. Sikhi is about understanding. More than anything else, the first verse is called the understanding. Jap. Yeah? Nanak Eve Janiye. By doing this, you will come to know that sub ape, that everything is you. This is why we do this technique. This is you. This is you. This is you. Do this every day. When you finish your Amrit Villa, don't finish your meditation. Do the Amrit Villa, wake up. Then start brushing your teeth. This is you. Shower. This is you. Making toast. This is you. You are making toast. You are doing you. Tu hi, tu hi, tu. To the point at which as Kabir says, Kabir tu tu karta tu hua. Keep doing tu hi, tu hi, to the point at which I became you. Mujme raha nahu. Nothing was left of me. Jab apa parka mit gaya. When the delusion of me and the other was dissolved. Jat dekhon tat tu. Everywhere I see, I see you. So Kabirji is talking about the same thing. Gurnanak <coughs> is talking about the same thing. jit that I can see you. Kabirji says, tuhi tuhi, do tuhi tu. Gurnanak Dev says, wake up in the morning and realize sab Everything is already him. The one waking up doing the Amrit Vela is him. The words coming out of your mouth is him. The one listening to the words is him. Everything is already ik. You just don't understand it. That's the only difference. And by doing this, Nanak Eve Janiya, you will come to understand this. And everything is you, and you will become Satya.